everyone. I am certainly glad to be in the pulpit. It has been about a year, I believe, since I preached last. And let me tell you, you know what? I'm, I am knocking the rust off. The, the spider webs are, are coming off. We are, uh, you know, it, it was uh, when Nick was telling us that he, his family was quarantined, it took me about, I don't know, four or five minutes to actually come to grips with the fact that I was up. But that's okay. Uh, oddly enough, I do have something to say, and so we'll get right into it. The title today is The Missing Link of Pandemic Life, and that is fellowship. And so let's, uh, let's get into that lesson. First of all, words that have become too familiar during the last two years and I think words that, if you want to hiss after you hear these words, it's okay. But words like lockdown, quarantine. Come on, Jack, where are you? Let's, let's have a little hiss. Social distancing. Boo. Seclusion. Separation. How about this one? Mandates. Woo, mandates. And here's the one that I probably hate the most new normal is there really such a thing as a new normal well there there is but yeah we'll talk about that but 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 because of these words we have stayed at home we have stayed away from friends family and fellow workers we have worn masks we have door dashed we have grub hubbed we have curb service groceries and we have shopped online Man, those are major changes in lifestyle over the last two years. Let's look at our, our faith response. Let's look at how the church has responded. First of all, because of a mandate, yes, because of a mandate, churches shut down. Face-to-face uh, -face worship in buildings just was not allowed for a while. We had to figure it out. But you know what? We pivoted. We, we actually, we got the word like on Tuesday that this was happening, and by Sunday we had expanded our electronic footprint. We were able to shift gears because the word of God needs to be preached. The word of God cannot actually stop just because there's an illness around. So churches also did drive-in worship. And I, for me, you know, drive-in worship was fun. Can you imagine we got to be outside, we got to blast loudly outside into the neighborhood the Word of God. Uh, we had people walking by on the sidewalks, people over at the park uh, coming to this side of the hill and listening to the Word of God being preached. So it wasn't all bad, it was just different. As we look at effects of the pandemic, communion changed. We, ha we now have, uh, you know, we have the express lane communion. Uh, but you know what, we actually, it's not a bad thing. We don't want to have our spittle while we're uh, making up the cups go all over, you know, uh, we don't want to share that way. 
but communion changed, contribution changed. Uh, Sunday school for children changed. Uh, I can, I, I know I've heard uh, stories uh, from Ramona uh, and uh, about seeing the Diaz children on Zoom and, uh, and stuff. Uh, you know what? It, it just changed. It had to, that's how they were doing regular school. Uh, so we also provided Zoom classes for our children. But what we can say, I believe, is that church life as we have known it has changed, is still changing, and will continue to change, I believe, indefinitely. We just don't know what the future holds. You see, we live in a period of change. Now, what we're going to do right now for just a few minutes is talk about change. We live in a period of change, and change has not been our strong suit in the past. Mentioning the word change causes us, and when I say us, I mean me, causes us to bristle up and get stiff-necked. You can't make me change. I don't want to change. I like what we were doing. I like sitting in crusty old yellow Herculon pews. It's where we have sat the 20 years that we have been here. It's, it's it, you know, this is the auditorium that I know. So what we have to remember, though, as we think about this, the church's core purpose is to perpetuate received traditions, now get this, and unchanging beliefs. The church as we know it is calibrated for a world that no longer exists, and the ways we typically attempt to change, that is with gimmicks and quick fixes, or grandiose ideas and visions are prone to failure. But what we must do is get better at adapting to the changes that are being cast our way. And, and I want to say this. Our elders have confronted the pandemic with open eyes, open ears, and, and listening, in thoughtfulness, and most of all, in prayer. If, if you think it was tough, for you waiting to hear what the next way we were going to do something was, you should have been in the meetings with us trying to figure it all out. So let's talk about change for just a second, because uh, as we talk about this, the, we have to understand more about change. You see, what we can no longer do is assume a predictable future Change is going to be an ongoing process. What I want you to know is innovation is a way of being, not an occasional interlude in the otherwise placid life of the congregation. Change is inevitable for us. That quote comes from a guy named Scott Cormode. Cormode also explains that we often operate with uh, flawed notions about how change occurs. Our dominant cultural narratives see change as something that happens almost magically through the work of solitary geniuses and visionary leaders or through some serendipitous eureka moments. Let me assure you, that's not the way change happens or occurs. It takes uh, groups of people in collaboration making great efforts to try to uh, take risk on a single, bold idea. 
And what we've come to learn over time is that ideas are like uh, saplings. You grow them in numbers, and like the sower in Jesus' parables, we must scatter many seeds for some to take root and to grow. So, as we come to the future, we need to approach change in a healthy fashion. And I think that here's some ideas that we need to think about. First of all, we approach change by deep, thoughtful listening. Not by speaking, not by just casting out ideas, but trying to hear what everyone has to offer in the process. We also have to uh, be available to let our mental models, in other words, what we think church is, uh, we need to let them be reshaped for the current climate. You see, we have to reimagine ancient practices. And for two examples, we had to change communion somewhat and contribution during the services has also changed. But the main thing we need to do is encourage the seeds of many people to provide potential new ideas so that we can bring the message of Jesus Christ to a lost community. So what I want to do first this morning is take a look at a world turned upside down in the first century and take a look at how the first Christians worked through change. After we, after we take a look at that, what we're going to establish, I believe, are the four non-negotiables of, Christi uh, of Christianity. And then what we're going to do is look at fellowship as the, most, uh, as the one that has had the hardest time, I believe, during the pandemic and uh, ex explain that a little bit. So first of all, if you want to turn to Acts 2, 42 through 47, I'm going to say that what we're looking at there is a religious pandemic that hits Jerusalem. In verse 42, it says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceed, their proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And notice, the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. As we, as we look at this, we see four non-negotiables of Christianity. The first one, I believe, is the studying of the Word of God. We have to uh, be anchored in something that is uh, solid, something that is irrefutable, something uh, that is not going to change over time. The second one in this is the fellowship. And, and the idea of the fellowship uh, is, is that that is us, that is the church. The idea of the quantania here is people with the same values, the same beliefs, working toward the same goal. Coupled in the fellowship is the breaking of the bread. 
and we're going to be doing that this morning. One of the last things that Jesus did was set up uh, in the Last Supper, the breaking of the bread. We call that communion. And then the last thing is prayers, the prayers. The idea that we are commanded to make sure we are praying for each other, for the church, for the lost, uh, and praying that we can do life God's way. I believe that as we have approached the pandemic, we have maintained being grounded in the Word of God. We pivoted quickly uh, to online and then drive-in services and then uh, forged our way back into the building. During the time of the pandemic, when we were scattered about, we had daily devotionals. We had daily times when we actually could, as a congregation, meet on Facebook and on YouTube and come together. And finally, we have came back together to worship in a safe manner. Also, we have maintained weekly communion. First of all, we sought out and found safe and effective means for the Lord's Supper. Albeit the first one, the cardboard communion wafers were a little crusty, I believe. But we have, I believe, a better product today after searching. We have communed together electronically and in our cars to maintain what Jesus instituted at the Last Supper. In other words, a time when we could be one mind, we could be one congregation, we could be a people that were gathered together, although separated, making sure God knew that we knew and valued what he wanted us to value. The third thing was this, we have prayed together often. If there has been a sole major benefit of this pandemic, it is the amount of time that this congregation has spent in prayer. We, uh, we uh, currently are, are, are meeting together uh, online on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Wednesdays, and Sundays. And each time we get together, we pray through the list of needs. You see, we have maintained a system of honoring prayer requests for those who are needing intercession. Those that call and request it are prayed over, uh, are prayed through, and, and ask. we ask God to be involved in all of this. And I believe it's been a blessing that we've been able to maintain this multiple times per week. Let's talk about fellowship. The Greek word translated fellowship is quantania. It's a word that carries the sense of having common interest, of sharing life together. It's no wonder that just a couple of verses later we read, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They shared each other's burdens in Galatians 6 2. And the fact of the matter is, we can do the same. The idea of fellowship then and the idea of fellowship now is that we have things in common 
and we are aware that there are those that are in need, and then we can go about helping people work through those needs. What I would say as I am looking backwards and then also looking forwards is that we have maintained fellowship, but fellowship has changed. Of the non-negotiables, fellowship is the most problematic. Just by nature during a viral epidemic, you want to not catch the illness that is prevalent in the people you normally associate with. I think that's common sense. You don't want to get, a, get the disease that Chicken Little is telling you that, is, that the sky is falling. Because that's what happened uh, at the first of, of the, the pandemic was, is that everybody is going to die, the pandemic is coming. And, and I, I believe that the warning uh, had to be that strong so some people would listen, or that we would listen. But the fact of the matter is, we don't want to catch the disease, and so we had to do things. One of the things that we noticed is that everything that works in keeping the disease away inhibits fellowship. It's just, it's just the very nature of it. Uh, what you like in church is to have close contact with close people, sitting in the, the, the close environment where we can love on one another, especially when we're hurting but understanding virology and the shedding of the virus, uh, it just wasn't plausible at that time. See, the problem presented by the viral pandemic is that it caused the separation of the saints. Again, our separation was the right thing to do. The question before us is, what does fellowship look like as the pandemic goes on? Praise God, we know more about the pandemic today than we did two years ago. We still don't know everything, and there is still a lot of uh, bad information out there, but the fact of the matter is, it is still proving to be, although it's risky, it's worse for some than it is for others. So let me ask some questions. Is fellowship, is a fellowship potluck what fellowship is? Is a night out with the girls or the guys fellowship? And the question is, just what is quantania in the scriptures? And then my question for all of us today is, are you in fellowship with one another. I believe fellowship is activity that promotes and edifies relationships within the church body. It's about promoting Jesus Christ. It's about improving our life as we look to the model of Jesus, comparing ourselves and trying to find our, our path that way but then having people around us that hold us accountable. See, it includes friendships, social gatherings, small groups, and any activity where Christians seek to enjoy each other and give to each other and to help each other. 
It could be chatting over a sandwich, or it can be kneeling together in prayer for a sick friend or family member. For that matter, it can be, as I experienced just, just on Friday, it can be holding hands in the room where a loved one's passed away. You see, it is our love for each other, modeled on God's love for us, that's what fellowship is. So right now, let's take a look at what Scripture says about practicing fellowship. I call this the Ten Commandments of Fellowship. And if you will, turn in your Bibles to Romans 12, verses 9 through 21, and I'm going to read that. Romans 12, 9 through 21. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, and bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So we have the Ten Commandments a fellowship here that Paul is giving us. First of all, as we look at this, we have in verses 9 and 10 of this, love one another. If we're going to have good fellowship uh, in, in, the, in the future as we are doing this, we are going to have to be people of love. Uh, the two types of love that it mentions here, first of all, love as agape, an unconditional, sacrificial love. I like to call it God and Jesus love, the love that they have for us. But then also brotherly love, that is the Philadelphia here, of, uh, which is family love, friendship love. It's devoted love that is active and shows commitment to one another. So number one here, love one another. The second one is to honor one another. Honor Something uh, means something weighty, valuable, high esteem, dignity, and respect. When we honor a commitment, we are giving a commitment, respect, and dignity by taking it seriously. When we honor a person, we give that person respect and dignity by taking them seriously. As we are fellowshipping, we have to be about 
Uh, I've, I've mentioned it before, edification. We are honoring other people for what they're doing and how they're acting. Number three here, worship with one another. That's in verses 11 and 12. And I believe that this is the one that uh, we, we missed out on as the mandates came down where we were not allowed to come and be together with everyone. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's great to be able to have uh, our friends that are uh, out there in YouTube land today. I'm glad you are here with us. But I tell you what is even better than you being out there in YouTube land is to have you right here with us. Uh, it is one thing to know that you are a number on the screen, uh, but for me, and this is, uh, you know, me talking as Buddy Gray, what I like to do is I like to see people. I like to see Bernadine because it puts a smile on my face because I know Bernadine loves me and is going to always tell me exactly what she thinks about me. And here's the other thing. If I'm messing up, you know what? She holds me accountable. That, that's what love is, isn't it? She's honoring me in that regard. Uh, I like to see Dwayne. Dwayne is here. Uh, Dwayne is willing to do a lot of things. I saw Dwayne on his knees this week putting in uh, some, some flooring in our teen, a former teen room that is going to be for our new school that's coming. Uh, Gary, Gary always uh, is flashing that smile and is always saying stuff like, buddy in the hood, you know? Uh, Michael Brown, I know he's got the coffee shop opened up so we can do this. Uh, you know, today when I look at it and I see Glenn and Sherry Graham here, uh, because I take, I watch Glenn and Sherry's great adventures, and uh, you know what? They have been fueling the economy out in the mechanical world as they have traveled around the country. And if you read their story, you would know what that's all about. They know how to make things break down. But, but that's the idea here is, is worship with one another. We can know what people are feeling by looking at their face. We can spend time with one another in mutual accord, singing and making melody in our hearts, raising our voices to God. Man, I tell you what, that is one thing that worship at home can't do. Not saying worship at home is bad by any stretch. It is what got us here today. But man, I love worshiping with one another. I'll climb off the soapbox now. Number four is be gracious to one another. Fellowship means that we take care of each other within the church and we care for those who come to visit and check us out. We, are, we want to be known as a graceful place. And when I say full, F-U-L-L, -L, we are full of grace. We want to know if you are hurting and you need us to pray for you, we want to know about it. We want the grace of God to rain down on the people that are here. We want our fellowship here as we are gathered together to be known as a grace place. That the grace of God has actually found its way in here and then finds its way into you. Number five, 
Now I'm going to go from preaching a little bit to meddling a little bit. Do not be spiteful toward one another. And that's in verses 14, 17, 19, and 20. It must be something that happens, people treating each other badly in a congregation. Or Paul wouldn't have mentioned it four times. So, saying that, do not be spiteful toward one another. It's been said that a pat on the back is only a few vertebrae removed from a kick in the pants. But it is miles ahead in results. Martin Luther King Jr. said this, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. You see, when we are hurt by people, we want to hurt them back. We want to get revenge, and we feel as if we have a right to, to be angry or to be bitter. Folks, here's the thing. We do not have that right. We have the right to forgive. We have the right to confront. We have the right to love. Back to preaching. Empathize with one another. Of all the things I believe on this list, uh, maybe the toughest uh, or the, the one that is hardest to do for me is empathy. See, I see your face, and you're hurting, and my allergies break out. Uh, and I want to hold them back. I don't want to... I don't want to be seen as weak and tearful, but the fact of the matter is, he says to weep with those who weep and be joyful with those who are joyful. We have to empathize, but the only way I can empathize with you is if I have communication with you. And the easiest way for me to, to be able to empathize with you is to be in close proximity to you. So on a church level, we need to rejoice and celebrate with those who rejoice, uh, and we need to mourn and weep with those who mourn. When someone is hurting or struggling, they don't need instruction on how to get better or need to hear conversations downplaying the seriousness of their situation. They need to, us to listen and to know that we hurt with them that we are walking, if, if they have had someone die, what they need to know is that we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death with them. People need to know that they are not alone. And here's the great thing about empathy. We don't have to understand their situation at all. I don't need any of the background that's back there. I don't need to know any of the baggage that the relationships have from the past. All I have to do is care for people. I have to let them know that I am available and that I care. Number seven is we need to get along with one another. You see, he says here, as much as others will allow, pursue peace. We need to be peaceful with one another. We need to be, uh, as a community, a community of peace. No one wants to join a community that is involved in debate and battles. At least I don't know anyone. 
Peace is not the absence of conflict. It is the acceptance through conflict. Did you get that? Not the absence of conflict, because if we are human, we are going to disagree. There are things that Aline is going to want to do that I don't necessarily want to do. Now, she's going to tell me about it, and I'm going to listen to her, but it's not the absence of conflict, but what it is is the acceptance that we can actually disagree. You see, if I disagree with you, doesn't mean I don't love you. I don't care for you. All it means is, is that we have opposing ideas on some particular subject, and we can, we can work through that. Number eight is we need to be humble toward one another, and that's verse 16. You see, we have to place the needs of others ahead of our own so that we become a loving, caring church where all people feel loved and important. What he's talking about here is not playing favorites. We can't play favorites. It doesn't matter what your social strata is here, uh, especially before Jesus, Jesus loves you. He loves the little children, right? Uh, To me, uh, one of the great stories is Jesus, uh, the kids are being pushed towards Jesus and the apostles, well, the soon-to-become apostles, the great soon-to-be religious leaders saying, don't bring the kids to him. He didn't have time for them. And Jesus says, bring the kids. Bring the children to me. And he also says, don't inhibit them from the kingdom of God. Be humble, lower yourself, and and love people. Number nine, be honest with one another. Sometimes we just have to be honest. We have to tell the truth. We need to make extra work extra hard to make sure that everyone receives fair and proper and honest treatment within the church. It also means that we must live out our relationships with our neighbors outside the church with integrity. I think the number one complaint that you will get outside these doors about Christians is that we are hypocrites. We have to have integrity. So this verse is not telling us to keep everyone happy, though. That's impossible in our society to keep everyone happy. What it's telling us to do is to tell the truth and be honest. Number 10, be good to one another. Man, don't you want to go to a place where you go to it and you know people are going to be good to you? They're going to love on you. They are going to walk with you through whatever you're walking through whether it is the struggles and fires of, of uh, maybe finances, problems in marriage, problems at work. The fact of the matter is, no matter what the problems are, you know that you can come to a place and the people are going to be good to you. You see, we squeeze evil out when we let God's goodness into our fellowship. When we play by his rules instead of our own, we can let or make the devil go. We can push him away. 
what that means is that we need to encourage each other, listen to each other, forgive each other, resolve conflicts, and build each other up. See, fellowship is the missing link of the pandemic. And, and when the, the pandemic broke out, it was hard for us to understand that next Sunday we wouldn't be able to see so-and-so. That, that X person wasn't going to be there to lead communion or to do one of the things that they've always done for us in the past. The someone that was special that we would glance around during the services and see them and they would smile at us. We didn't have that opportunity. What we had to learn was how to overcome that. As we move forward, we need to be reaching out to fellow members, friends, and family. There may be people that are not here today that you can call. There may be people that are out, on, out in our electronic format on YouTube this morning that need a call, that need a touch. So what we need to do, we have to call each other on the phone. We have to make sure that, that if we are feeling that pressure inside, that someone is missing or someone is hurting or someone needs something, we have to give them a call. Well, maybe you don't call people anymore. then you need to text them. I know, I know that uh, that may be foreign to some of you, but uh, you know what? When I tell my son I'm going to call him, he just kind of gives me a look. Like, why would you call me when we don't really have to talk? You could just text me. He doesn't really want to hear my voice. He just wants to have an answer. But the fact of the matter is, we can text. We can text each other. Uh, and, and stay informed and abreast of what's going on. I know here's an idea that uh, I haven't really probably exploited like I should, but we can use technology uh, to have fellowship with other members. We can actually Zoom them. We can also FaceTime them. We can Skype them. And I bet there are other methods out there where you can go face-to-face -face with other people that are needing a touch from you. Maybe, maybe you can call them or text them or Zoom them and say, why don't we meet for coffee? Why don't you come over to my house for coffee? Uh, why don't we do X? I know this is going to sound crazy. What you could also do is come to today's potluck. You, know, you want a fellowship. Fellowship over food. I know that uh, Lou, Lou has told us that uh, there is going to be ham provided today. And his other comment was, who doesn't like free food? Fellowship, the missing link of the pandemic, doesn't have to be the missing link of the pandemic anymore. We can change that.
what we've learned from the pandemic is that we have to be adaptable in all ways, always. Being adaptable is taking the sacred cows and replacing them with God-focused ministry and items that enhance your understanding of your faith by allowing you to grow deeper with God. What we can do is use this time to change uh, the way that we do church to ways that, that actually will fulfill some of the issues that we have during the pandemic. Most of all, we can't be constrained by the past, but adapt to the present situation and the present needs of the church. If you'll pray with me. Father, I confess that over the past two years, I haven't been good at communication. There are times when I miss people that I didn't call them. There are times when I would look over the list of who had been in services and who was online and thought, you know, it'd be nice if I had a, uh, a conversation with them and then not act on it. Lord, I lay that at your feet right now. I ask you, Lord, to uh, forgive me of that. Lord, you have made fellowship such an uh, integral part of church life. Lord, it is so much a part of life that we need others to survive, to lift us up, to build us up, and to hold us accountable. Lord, we thank you for fellowship. Lord God, we thank you for the fellowship that Jesus brought to this world so that he could save us from our sins. We pray in his name. Amen.